Hello and welcome to Royale Without Cheese, our bi-weekly podcast in which we discuss both the classic and the unknown of art and popular cinema from the then and now. We are your hosts, me, Tomás Ferreira, Leonardo Miranda. Hello. Hey, hey, and Miguel Aydu. Hi there. This is our talk show segment where we welcome grand indie filmmakers to our wonderful couch and discuss their work. Here with us we have Dwayne LeBlanc, an LA-based Caribbean-American artist and filmmaker, with his work primarily focused on themes of migration, visibility and dual identity. We'll talk about his debut narrative short, Civic, an introspective film about homecoming, backed by Ghetto Film School through Netflix and developed by Berlinale Talent Shorts. Uh, Farm Station. With the great festival run, Civic made its international debut at the acclaimed International Film Festival Rotterdam and Clermont-Ferrand playing now on the Criterion Channel. So, Dwayne, how are we feeling today? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, first of all, we need to say congratulations on Civic for its many accolades. It won um, the Special Jury Recognition Prize at New Orleans Film Festival and also Best Mid-Length Short Film at uh, uh, in the Memphis Film Festival, which was quite cool. And uh, just for a little bit of context for the listeners, uh, in Civic we have Booker, a young man who returns uh, to his home after a long period of absence, driving around, around LA and meeting long lost friends. And the film we found was very beautiful and of an example of minimalist filmmaking in the way that its strength came very much from building over time an emotional resonance through the visuals and the performances. And it's a very personal film, being that the character is also Caribbean like yourself and divided between these two worlds of being natural to someone who is away from home and connected to these questions of where do I belong? Where am I going? Uh, am I still the same person? Which I really related to as well, being kind of away from home uh, for a while recently uh, during uh, my studies. So uh, really, what we really want to ask for a head start is were these feelings and questions something that you felt beforehand that inspired the film? Could you tell us about a little bit of the inception already of the film and how, curiously enough, being such an intimate film, the co-writing process with your fellow writer, Nicole Otero, really pushed it further? Yeah, man, thank you for the introduction. And uh, I just got a word that we were also just awarded Best Actor for Barrington Darius, who played Booker in the film from the DTLA Film Festival, um, which was uh, just this past weekend in, in Los Angeles. So, yeah, um, thank you for the recognition um cool. yeah this this idea you know part of the reason why i feel like these themes of of um identity and migration and also visibility become so like integral or central to like my work and my process of thinking in in, the, in films um is because of like my own personal identity and connection to being like a first gen you know american in this context, I think, you know, you really feel a little bit of what it means to be like in a space like America um, and not necessarily feeling American. And then when, mm -hmm. when I'm going back home to my parents' country um, in the Caribbean islands, you know, there's also kind of a, a dislocation there where you, you don't feel wholly Caribbean. So in either context, I'm always kind of feeling a little bit of an outsider. Um, and I think that not necessarily being a very, very unique point of view or perspective or connection sometimes yeah it has to do with geography in my context I guess it has to do with geography and cultural connection so I, I think about that a lot in my work so I think yeah when I was developing this idea about the film and how it was structured this is you know this was a you know a central part of like how I kind of accessed what this you know this this character who is similar in a few ways to me Booker um, he's similar in a few ways yes being first generation being from LA 
um, and and wondering about like how to kind of like communicate those thoughts and feelings um, within the film through the work. And how was the because what I found curious the other kind of the second half of the question was uh, you felt the need for it to be a co-writing kind of partnership. How do you feel that helped further instead of, for example, it being a one writer mission, let's say? Yeah, I think the co-writing uh, element actually it's interesting. I think any kind of collaboration in my in my eyes can add to the depth of, of a work because centrally if it comes for me as in, in this example if i was the only person authoring this it would be kind of or or you know or in cinematography or edit or any any department in in in, in film especially um i think it it, it um, diminishes the ability for it to be kind of like a universal truth a, a little bit it becomes more comp complicated to kind of access that so I feel like in this particular situation, Nicole was such a great um, additive resource and, you know, just, kind of, you know, she's a genius thinker. And without her, I think I wouldn't be able to have gotten to the depths of what carrot like, you know, I was speaking too centrally from my own perspective and point of view. So in this film, I think it really benefited, especially with certain scenes like the closing scene where there is a perspective, you know, of a female protagonist or that I just wouldn't be able to access in a certain way just because I don't have that kind of perspective or connection. And so, yeah, you know, th those in those ways, it, it, you know, I think collaboration I always embrace um, for those reasons. Yeah, it is particularly interesting, you know, with very intimate projects, I tend to find that it is good to have a, another person with us as a writer, for example, because it, we tend to get into muddy waters of our own personal experience, particularly if the character has similarities with us. So we have a third person perspective here to talk with us. So that's interesting all you say. Yeah, and the short is entirely or mostly shot from inside Booker's car. And that principle is, um, I found very effective in portraying both the sense, that permanent sense of displacement of the character who's always moving through town, uh, seeking some kind of self-reassurance, uh, looking for a feeling I, that he might've lost, looking for something. Uh, but also at the same time, the car is this source of um, of warmth and togetherness with the friends, reminiscing and listening to music, having, you know, disagreements regarding the music. And so that being said, what were some of the logistical challenges of filming inside and around the car? And how did you look to push the, the concept creatively? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I think for me, like in my experience so far, without a structure, I don't want to say this, but I think title also comes around the time of structure. For some reason, you know, there's already an idea there. There's already like um, a philosophy, or you know, there, there's seeds of of a, a film. Um, what really kind of pushes it to the next level of structure. So what what the film is shaped like, and I mean that like literally and metaphorically. Um, in this in this case, I feel I wanted to tell you know the car being such a liminal space, like this 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 space that's very in between. You know, means to get from one place to another. Not necessarily looked at as a location uh, or a destination, I should say. Not necessarily looked at as a destination, or, or but a means to one. Um, I think those are the 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 first sparks that got me thinking about why shooting in the car for this particular story about what the theme is and the idea is of someone coming back to a place that became you know that's home at one point, but now is a kind of a foreign place. I think it being like a road movie, so to speak, that isn't really traveling anywhere. It's like a road movie that doesn't go anywhere. I sometimes say became a great, no pun intended, driving force to uh, developing more of the the script and 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 how the script and 
the materials of the film kind of were to communicate the idea. So logistically, it was very, very difficult. Um, I mean, it has had a lot of challenges because of, again, like shooting a car is not the easiest thing in the world, to be honest with you. It, you know, on paper, it might seem that way, but depending on how you want to go about it, what kind of story you're trying to tell, what the motion of the camera needs to do and all these different things become very challenging and very expensive very quickly. So, you know, having limited budget, having limited resources, we have to figure out creative ways to um, still focus on the central themes in, and not abandon kind of the cinematic um, truth that we wanted to kind of pursue. There's a few things, you know, meaning we have to find an identity for the camera. So my my cinematographer, collaborator, and very dear friend of mine, Andrew, we kind of created this concept. We thought about the camera as what we call the ghost entity, which gave us an, an ability to think about the camera's perspective in a certain way. And on top of this thing, this idea of a ghost entity, uh, meaning the camera had its own perspective, had its own interests, its own point of view. We also wanted to think a lot about, you know, narratively what the camera would pay attention to or think about as the story interacted with one another. So that's how we began thinking about that. Um, so the camera had to have a literal perspective, had to have a, a positionality um, and, a, and, a, and a proximity um, that made sense to what we're trying to do to keep the truth of what it is that we're doing. So we couldn't we couldn't create um, a perspective, let's say, so to for sake of argument, of the camera on a on a on a do on a dolly in the exterior of the car or a trailer, process trailer, or something on the exterior of the car, we had to think about the car or the ghost entity as the perspective. So that gave us a, a certain um, limit, and that limit gave us a certain way to think about okay, how do we work with this limit? So ultimately, you know, sparing you the details of all the, you know, the tech and and kind of um, I don't know, like logistics of how we position the camera. We, we literally got to, you know, we're going to stay in mostly locked frames. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, we end up uh, drilling, I think, about nine holes into the roof of the car. Right. And it, which, ga which gave us the ability to move relatively quickly, moving the camera, but also it, it, it made us really specify within the shot listing, what are the angles, how are we going to create, um, how we literally you know, manage those certain angles, what those angles say. And then what we also wanted to do, we wanted to make the car feel more dynamic and spacious than um, it, it literally is in a way mm -hmm. where it felt like, since this will be the world of the film, we didn't want it to, even though it is a somewhat claustrophobic um, film and claustrophobic space in a way, um, we wanted to work with that containment. Um, we still wanted to give a dynamic kind of, um, you know, because I love, you know, you know, when I get into the nerdy side of why it's also in a car, there is something beautiful about the frame within the frame within the car, you know, rectangles and squares and different things like that, windows, all those things are just, to me, aesthetically um, interesting. So working with all these material, they all coincided to kind of create the feeling of what it, what it, the, the you know, the film you know, actually looks like. Um, and all these things connect to uh, how we, you know, what we, we were also thinking deeply about emotion, you know, emotion, what we can capture through body language when you're just shoulders and head, basically, you know, um, how can we create um, the effects of those feelings with just those, uh, which, which, are, you know, it's, it's a lot, you know, there's eyes and all these kind of things that can, can happen within just that space of a, of a person. And we're thinking about portraiture, 
you know, the history of portraiture and photography and, and film. So yeah, some of these things were were, were the elements that we, we thought a lot about um, in, in terms of logistics to kind of create this, this narrative. Yeah, and, uh, and I think the limitation really brings forth a lot of creativity with the angles, because not only do you have mostly those fixed shots, but also surprisingly, you have some pans that happen in the film, particularly in the conversation with Pukra and his friends in the car. They're really impressive. I wonder, you must have taken out maybe a chair to put the camera inside the car. I'm all, always thinking how technically was it possible for you to get around those things. But also in the midst of portraiture, it's interesting how you use the clean and unclean focus to kind of mimic a certain impressionism, let's say, in the scene. I think there's a great uh, dialogue between the visible and the invisible in a way. You know, our main character is also always kind of an enigma, a foreign in a familiar land. Is LA a new town or is it an old town? We, when you get into town for the first time, uh, there's a strangeness about it that goes throughout the film that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm so touched that you, you mentioned this part about um, visibility because, man, we thought so much about this. And, I, you know, I'm feeling really touched, you know, Nicole and Andrew and all my collaborators. We dialogue a lot. You know, we think about these things a lot. And, and you know, there's a lot of challenges and, and there's a lot of fear here because, you know, we're doing what we can call, I mean, you know, in, in, in the grand scheme of film, non-traditional, right? Um, of course, there's the art house thing and, and you know, that's a different conversation, but in the grand scheme of film, these things are non-traditional. We thought a lot about like, we are not going to see the main character's face for I think more than halfway of the movie. You know, he's either it's behind his head or there's there's shadow or for a quick flash, we get to see him, whatever. It's not until I have like these this moment more than halfway through the film where we have this three angle portrait of him in full daylight where we have to actually see him. And I, I, you know, we were very, we thought a lot about this, like what, you know, is this going to alienate the audience? Is this going to create some kind of, what, what effect will this have? And I think what I really, what we, what we thought about beyond this fear, we thought a lot about the ability um, and talked about in terms of visibility for an audience to be able to project themselves into the character um, for them to, in, in the mundane, you know, sometimes you slip out, you're thinking intensely about, the character in one scene and in that same scene or a different scene you may think about your own self in that particular setup you know because this is a universal story this is a timeless story so there's some part of this where it's like you know some of the story you don't necessarily need to pay attention to every you know dialogues to some degree don't necessarily matter as much in a certain way you know you can you can understand what it feels like to meet up with an old friend and have a certain type of interaction or family whatever the case may be so I wanted, to, wanted the audience to also feel visible and or invisible in certain contexts as well. Um, and then proximity, I think you touched on a thing about camera. And honestly, it's it's the, the literal camera of this was, was a big part of how we created the film. I saw this film, um, this is not a burial, this is a resurrection. So I, I saw that film and I really was curious about like, because it looked like film, there was some elements that felt like film, like 35 or maybe even 16 in the movie and I, and I just reached out to the director and the cinematographer I was curious about what film they or sorry what camera they they shot in and they and you know what film stocks etc and they they told me about the Sony uh I believe it's the uh Venice and um, I talked to my cinematographer about this and he told me you know actually this would be a good idea for using this camera because they have a, a function on the camera called Rialto mode and what Rialto mode means basically is in this particular camera you can remove the sensor and lens from the body 
So which gave us a lot of flexibility to be able to move in certain ways that no other camera will give us that in terms of a, um, a large format camera will be able to give us kind of um, you know flexibility. So that's the kind of detail that we were getting into when we we're thinking about how we capture all these things, how they all kind of collide to create the film um, essence, you know what I mean? So, yeah. And, you know, obviously it's a camera that's also good at low light. So Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man is, you know, a great American novel, timeless American novel. And what I liked about that novel is this guy, you know, I, I remember one of my readings of it, I just underlined and highlighted every use of the term, something had to do with visibility or invisibility. And like in that book, there's so many references that talk about literally, metaphorically, structurally about these themes, visibility. And I thought about that in this film. I was like, how can I use visibility in, in lots of different ways, um, literally, metaphorically, and beyond? So darkness, um, framing, um, uh, points of view and narrative, all these different things, uh, uh, feeling of dislocation, all these things were, were ways to kind of play with these themes and this idea. So yeah, the camera was also part of that and how we use darkness and shadow, so. Yeah, it's uh, the idea is really embodied in the film and, you know, like you said, in low light situations, thinking of the camera and how can it resist that, that exposure is really important. So as mentioned previously, Civic was supported by known institutions throughout pre-production and beyond, uh, such as Netflix and Berlin Alp. And so how did it take uh, applying to them and what was the experience working with them to find the story? Okay, so as you know, those of us listening and sitting here now, I think, um, you know, Berlin All and, 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 and all these, you know, festivals like Rotterdam and Arno, et cetera, these kind of film festivals, you know, art house, they call it. And this other world, right? There's another world where, let's say, you know, Netflix, et cetera, these are typically what they call, um, at least in America, commercial or mainstream. mainstream. Or, yeah. or, or, or what? Chantal Ackerman calls the crowds, the crowds, you know, <laughs> she knows term. So for me, you know, I, I bring it back to this interview that kind of summarized the feeling that I wanted to capture, you know, it was a Steve McQueen's uh, latest series called Small Axe. In an interview about that show, a series, he said, you know, Steve McQueen, for those of us who who have not heard of him, he's, he's a filmmaker, um, but he spent most of his career working in, in the museum space as a video art, you know, artist. And he's very successful. Um, however, museums, where most of his work take place, um, uh, you know, there's a particular audience that comes into those spaces. Um, and there's a completely different audience that's say on a major network um, that you know, what they experience. So one thing he said on an interview, and this might be a, somewhat of a misquote, but I'm trying to get it as close as I possibly can, was he wanted to make something that his, his mother could watch. And what I took from that was, Yes, there's there's some responsibility to creating um, a space, a safe space, a space that your audience is uh, familiar with to be able to come in and also, um, you know, take part, you know, not in a museum and not in a, you know, you know, a major you know film festival where only a certain type of person goes. So I think for my challenge was I'm interested in art house film. That's where, you know, that's what gave me my, um, you know, my spark. Uh, however, I don't want to alienate my community so what i say is i want to be operating on both sides of the fence so you know having berlin all at the same exact time working with netflix and ghetto film school 
having conversations about the script, having conversations about the structure and all these different things in, in two completely different worlds at the same time became really, you know, um, uh, typical for how my life is kind of structured. So applying to Berlin All, you know, and thinking about not just audience, but what kind of resources are in, in that space and what kind of um, intellectualism and thinking process. And, you know, what I liked about Berlin All is that they think about, it's about the art of the film. It's not about anything else. And we spend a lot of time talking about the material alone without any thought about commercialization or marketability or anything along those lines. However, Netflix, even though we spend a lot of time also on script, it was to angle it to somewhat of of, of um, some version of understanding from a from a, um, uh, a more marketable, uh, broad, you know, kind of approach. So, but target I didn't want audience. to target audience. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was it was me at the same exact time uh, working, let's just say, say on both sides of the fence. So I spent, I spent, yeah, that's kind of how I spent uh, the development process or like, let's say the final development process before we shot the film, um, thinking in those spaces. Yeah. And uh, an interesting question would be, what advice would you give to someone who is thinking of applying to, for example, Burdenau Short Form Station or Netflix, uh, the grant? What was exactly, what did you felt that you extremely needed to have prepared to apply, to approach these institutions? I think the thing that um, these institutions, especially Berlinale, I think one thing to be ready for is to be literally just have thought about your film, have thought about not just a script in the sense of like you wrote a script and you have an idea, but thinking about it in a certain level of depth and spending time with it. Um, 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 getting beyond, let's say, the first few drafts even and being really familiar with it in a way where there's a journey you still need to go on and knowing that, like I said, I think we talked about this in, in one of the first questions is like collaboration, not necessarily saying that this is necessarily collaboration, although I would call it a collaboration, um, but it, it allows yourself to be, to take yourself out of your own echo chamber <laughs> um, of development and thinking and your whole process to be able to open it up to, um, let's just say the world, but other minds um, and, and be, and that, that, that is a hard process. I think some people like to keep, they like to keep and they know everyone's process is different. Mine just so happens to be, I like to embrace the openness and let's say collaboration and thoughts and ideas from other outsourced outside resources. Um, I, I think uh, um, some people I completely understand too, that isn't their process and that isn't how they find a way to access uh, a deeper level of their filmmaking. You know, so I think that's also another point. It's like, you know, I, I laugh at this one Pedro Costa um, quote. I think, he, I can't remember what year it was from, maybe a, a couple, a few years ago, maybe when uh, the Vitalina's uh, time. I think I know what you're talking about. To, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he, he was in Rotterdam Film Festival yeah, and you exactly. went there. <laughs> and he said that, like, also, I, I agree with him. This is something kind of carried me as well. I think you're, you're mean this, which is uh, when you're writing a film, when you're preparing it, it's like a, a gift to give in Christmas, right? You don't reveal the surprise, you leave it for Christmas. So, you know, I also understand that kind of frame of mind. But yeah, you know, I was completely thinking about that when you started this, saying that there are other people who have other methods of collaboration. But yeah. It's a funny one, yes. isn't it? <laughs> it's a very funny one. He said, "He says never, never pitch, never pitch your film." <laughs> like you know, <laughs> you know this yeah. is a, this is a great filmmaker. There's so many examples of filmmakers, you know, from the art house world, like Pedro, Pedro Costa, or 
you know, someone in the indie or, you know, mainstream area like Paul Thomas Anderson who don't want to share in a certain way. Um, and I completely understand mm-hmm. and respect that. So it's not for everybody, you know, it's not for everybody. I don't think everyone should approach it as like, I need to be in this, but it is for a certain type of person who wants to be in incubation with other minds. Yeah. And uh, that not, you know, it's not, you know, for me, it was, it was an incredible experience and, a, and, you know, a worthwhile experience, but, you know. Yeah. Would you say that in applying to, for example, the Berlinale, you had to, well, show proof of having other crew members uh, very early on, let's say, did you have a producer already, did you direct photography attached? Was that uh, something that was involved? No, no, that Berlinale and um, I want to, I want to give them the most love i can um, because the person at least at this time her name is sarah she she's so kind and i think what they care about what they think about at least from my perspective my dialogues with the people that were in my group that year and also the curators from this you know series but also past series were also still involved in certain ways they are thinking about the story they're thinking about the concept they're thinking about where this creator um wants to go um, and they're they're thinking more so than that, and they're they're not necessarily concerned that much with the making, or if it if it even is going to be made. I, and you know that's my perspective. I, I don't want to say that that's the truth in general for these, you know, people in this program. But um, I think what they I think that's the thing they're concerned with, and they they you know they want to they want they 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 love, and same with me. I love the medium of short form. You know, it is a medium. It's not necessarily a mini feature. And I think these people are thinking about how are, how are you know, the people that are applying, how are they thinking about that medium? How does this narrative fit into the medium? And how are they working with it in general? I think that's what they're concerned with. I don't think I had listed on my um, materials anything about producers or collaborators. You know what I'm saying? It was really, sure, sure. Um, it was really just about the idea. Yeah, that's like cool. a sort of mentoring uh, mm-hmm. for you to improve for future projects. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, for sure. To return a bit more to the to the visual technique of the film, the visual style of it, I think one of the most striking things is like the the flirtation with what's left unseen, as you were already explaining that uh, the the exploration of the visibility and the invisibility. There's the the careful blocking, the blurriness, the diffusion in the image. I think it's very very interesting. And they all work to to express the inner world of the character. And so I'm thinking, for example, the first time we're introduced to, to Booker as we are in the back of the car and he's just an unknown figure, that enigma we were talking about. And um, then when he reunites with the friends, there's these tight shots uh, that blend between the, the clean and the unclean focus. Um, I also like the, the beginning with the POV shot there's the clash between the two aspect ratios that change, which, you know, it's the literal change in perspective that is also figurative. Uh, and so like these visual ideas, did they come to you? Were the elements that you had already played with in your experimental work? And how much of that work uh, did you bring upon this more narrative form? Man, I, I, I just keep going back to, again, collaboration and dialogue with my um, team. It's great to be, able, I think, time time spent in the material, in, in, in the script, in dialogue, thinking about the characters, thinking about the world, backstory, um, which, you know, I, to bring it back to our last discussion about 
the Berlin All experience. I remember one of the they 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 bring on these um they bring on these uh consultants let's call them one of them one of the consultants for me was a script consultant and she really challenged me she she really wanted me to pin down literal details of the backstory stuff that wasn't on the in the script and you know it helped me to kind of uh in my mind at least literalize like who and what these characters were and we we did a lot of this work in the script um before but then going deeper you know and I think I think I'm bringing this up now because it opened up a way to think about, I guess like, yeah, you know, thinking about like how we then, you know, took what we had from the script and, and were able to, as I had these kind of more details that weren't, weren't in the script, we're able to go in my, with my collaborators and talk deeper and further and further and further into the world and perspective of these characters, how they interact, what they are coming from and creating these narratives that, 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 that go beyond the page, um, which created um this what i like to call truth i guess within all the technical aspects so we're opening up on you know this anamorphic kind of um perspective where we come into the city in, in a certain type of looking a certain type of um observation let's say um and history with let's say film in terms of what it, what it, what an anamorphic kind of you know aspect ratio and does and mean and then then you come as soon as Booker arrives and his character is present and is starting to interact with his friends. We bring the frame in with this uh, four three kind of aspect ratio, and we change the lens. You know, for the for the almost all the remainder of the film, what does this mean? You know, I mean, Andrew and I we talked a lot about this, and 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 you know, certain scenes, and we could talk about like, yeah, like you know, I remember one of the, I guess one of the first blurry shots that we show um, was after a conversation where Booker's asked, you know, where is it you're from again? And then we go, we cut to a frame of him, and we're looking at the outside space of the car, which we don't do that much um, in a certain way in the film, and he's out of focus. You know, what does that what does yeah. that say what does that give to an audience what does that allow you know you know um in, in terms of my visibility here you know literally speaking you know then then also what it will we allowing again the audience to to, to um, inquire as they look at um uh, 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 the city you know in in a very mundane part of the city i mean this is not like some amazing skyscape this is like storefronts and I don't know, factory or whatever, you know, is in that, you know, shot. And, you know, so again, you know, we're, you know, how, and then, then we're thinking about the cut, you know, a lot of these things, you know, you know, we're thinking about what is, you know, as here's what we're, we're looking at, here's what the frame is. And then when we're going to, you know, thinking about all these things in sequence and a lot of dialogue about how we, um, what it may or may not mean, um, what it may open up in conversation and dialogue for um, for the audience, um, and what it may mean for the for the character and the narrative. So that's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. But I think this is will lead into the kind of into the, you know our psychology and approach to 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 all these decisions. You know, it goes right on down to color, even though how we color a frame, how we think about sound. For me, the approach, generally speaking, for most of the film, there's parts that we slip and play with in different ways. But we started the film out thinking about, um, uh, you know, I, you know, I wanted to think about anthropology a little bit. Like I think about, I want to think about how cinema or film can be, especially in in, not, in um, fiction films, can 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 be a tool for for anthropology. Can it? I don't know. But 
we approach it in a way where it's very one-to-one. What you see is what you hear. So as we cut, we're thinking about, okay, sound cuts and, you know, what that means for an audience. And, you know, so, so you know, color, we thought a lot about what color and how we color it, what it means. So, again, I think I was saying the tip of the iceberg in terms of getting into psychology of it, but that's how we, you know, started all these conversations with every different department to think about, you know, yeah, like how, like how do we, how we make more meaning with the things that are not dialogue, the things that are not, let's say, casting and how we, how do we, how we, um, how we deepen the meaning through those tools. I mean, yeah, this actually leads me to um, another question, which is to do with the sense of place, actually. And uh, because we've been discussing kind of those moments, there's a beautiful moment in the short after T and his friends leave Booker, where there's a tonal shift, uh, I felt in a way. And uh, all this rap happiness and rumpus leaves the car, kind of drains the car, and it becomes empty. And you have the landscape of LA, these storefronts that you talk about, the mundane of it seen through the vehicle and the structure, the architecture of the vehicle. And at the same time, the sound of the voice of the uncle of Brooker kind of coming into him through the phone, longing for his nephew, but he feels a bit disconnected. The interesting thing is he's off screen a uh, whole amount of the time, you know, or like you said, when we do see him in another moment, but it's not at this moment, it's a bit earlier in the film, he's driving uh, this lady and we see later on him blurred as that dialect with invisibility. Um, but this moment of the friends going away, the car becoming empty, feeling the mundane, where do I fit? This it speaks very truly to that feeling of displacement, really. Where do I fit in this town? Am I the same person? Um, and it was really reminiscent to me as I was watching of Chantal Ackerman's News from Home, in a way, which I thought was interesting. And so this leads me to the question, what idea of Los Angeles in its social and geographical tissue of the landscape did you want to capture? with what you've shown here uh, through the car. Yeah, so it was regarding that, uh, what idea of LA did you want to capture in all its social and kind of geographical tissue of the landscape? And how did that figure in into the creative process of finding the right streets and why these streets? Yeah, it's a great question. I think you're right. It it it, it connects to our, our last discussion about um, anthropology. And I, you know, I think early on, I thought about um, how anthropology could factor into this film. And I think, you know, yes, connecting again to News From Home, you know, which is a good example of a time capsule, so to speak, of New York City at a certain place in time and what that means as a film, what film can achieve, you know, which in some ways, I guess, is a basic idea. But then I, I think about, I think thinking about it is part of the ability to deepen the meaning here, um, I, I think, because, you know, I thought about like, this is LA. Um, there's this film by Simon Lang called um, The Skywalk is Gone. It's a short film. And, you know, I recommend, you know, people who are interested in some of these ideas um, about what looking at a place may or may not mean. And this, this, is, this isn't necessarily a unique idea in film, but I think The Skywalk is Gone, especially if you watch the the trilogy, I think, um, that this film may loosely be connected to. It starts with this scene where a woman is looking at a space in the sky, essentially. Um, but what you end up learning is like she's shot because she came back to this this part of Taiwan and she hasn't been there in a while. I think maybe she's been in France for a long time or something. Um, you know, there's a vagueness here, but the previous film, she was in France. And she's looking and she's realizing like, oh man, the everything I knew about this particular corner um, is change and what that shock, you know, that shock feeling might be. And I think we could all kind of relate to this as, as, as cities and places modernize. And I think how interesting could it be 
I thought about this because those streets are the streets I grew up grew up on. So that's my particular neighborhood and area. And I thought I think about also connected to this conversation we had earlier about Steve McQueen. I want to, you know, I want to make a movie my my mom could watch. And I think the mom part is, um, you know, a metaphor for community. And I think about like how interesting would it be for, um, hopefully, an audience in the future, let's say 10, 20 years from now, look back at this film and 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 someone have a, have a feeling of, of, of remembering a place, um, remembering that corner, that storefront or that whatever, um, and how that also folds itself back into the narrative of this film, um, a film about someone who went away for a long time and come back and things are different. Um, things are changed, whether it be interpersonally through friends and family or through itself or through literal kind of geographic um, landmarks. Um, so uh, so I think that's why anthropology and, you know, films like News From Home or also Chantal's The Est and stuff like that really, really, really have done something to me in the way I think about film. Um, that goes, you know, that goes for ge um, geography and, and place, but also, um, you know, how we cast, how we, what kind of language we use, what kind of rhythm and tone, what kind of wardrobe we think about that I think... Um, I want to think a lot about that and in a way and to capture a feeling and the essence of something that we can and hopefully in the future um, um, look back in, a, in some form of appreciation. Film is shot, as you said, with this sense of geometry with the squares and rectangles. So yeah. it really adds to the sense of calmness and balance, I suppose, which is a nice idea, I think, uh, to look back on these places with that sort of peace as well. Uh, Man, that, that's just... But that that word specifically was a was a was exactly. I'm really touched that you said that word peace because it's a central. It's it's so important to me. Um, the feeling that you're talking about, and I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just also want to say that how we framed it, and also even thinking again about edit and sound, um, removing elements uh, that could cause a certain level of let's say fear, anxiety. Um, and to be frank, um, if you if you put a certain type of character, let's say black characters from South Central LA um, and you had a car and driving into a film, you know, typically speaking, and this has happened, you know, through the entire process of writing to the production and edit, you know, people have a fear, you know, someone is going to get harmed in some kind of way there's a certain type of violence you know almost to a guarantee so i thought you know there's part of this where I'm, I'm just interested in films that you can feel at ease and peace you know and we can talk about those examples but um it it there's another layer there when you when you add um um you know let's say uh cultural elements um and, eth um, and ethnicity to the same you know you add that to the equation you 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 there's a different type of expectation, you know, at the end of it. So yes, you know, uh, peace and rest and, um, you know, this, this this calmness that you're talking about um, was is and is still is extremely important to me and, and almost central to to you know one of those themes you know, is migration. You know, there's there's you know identity, there's visibility. I don't know if I'm calling it a theme, but like, yeah, peace and rest, I think is part of one of the ways I want to approach uh, my filmic style. So we understand that Civic is the first film in a trilogy of, of sorts. 
uh, the second follow-up you do not exist uh, having already been shot and then the third now you hear me god so you know what what could you tease about them do you have any idea of where and when our listeners um will be able to see them uh whether in festivals or streaming perhaps yeah i, I guess i'll give you guys more detail because you, you know this conversation has been so generous and and i really appreciate every one of these Thank questions <laughs> deep deep thinkers we're, we're working with deep thinkers here <laughs> um deep so yeah the garden <laughs> <laughs> Uh, YDNE slash You Do Not Exist is a um, film that, yes, we shot before Civic, actually. It's a film that was made thinking, of, I think what I can say about it is I, I wanted to make a, and again, you know, I told you about my themes. My themes are all in this film. It's a, it's a what I call a, a reverse travelogue. Um, it's or, or, or an inverted travelogue, maybe sometimes I say. Um, it it kind of it's thinking about Chris Marker. It's thinking about um, um, uh, La Jete. It's thinking about Sans Soleil. It's thinking about how um, a character who hasn't traveled, who hasn't been anywhere, is thinking about the world at large. Thinking about you know creating you know th th their own narrative about places, famous places, fa places that maybe a lot of travelers have been. You know you know. London, Paris, and you know Rio, wherever, thinking about these different you know worlds, so to speak, and and creating their own kind of um, um, uh, impression and interpretation without having been there. So, uh, opposite of a travel log, where, where someone goes to a place and 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 accounts for the observations. So you know, again, this is thinking about invisibility. I think you can see ways in which that it's 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 approaching that. Um, it's a film that's shot in three formats of black and white, you know, film 35 millimeter, 16 millimeter, and there's still photography there as well. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stop there to say that's kind of the the, the general kind of uh, structure, you know, of, of the film. Um, and then the other part of the trilogy is a film called Now Hear Me Good. It's a, it's a film about exile right so we have um civic which is a film about someone who left and came back you do not exist slash ydne um is uh, a film about someone who has never gone anywhere they've, they've never left home they've never traveled um and then now hear me good is about someone who you know you know the the, the classic story of someone leaving you know and going somewhere else and and, and making a new place their home um and that film is is in the I guess early stages of development. However, we did just get our initial funding or the foundation of the funding at least for the film. You know, it is a short film, and you know, in the in in the fray, as all you you know, you three and you know, a lot of listeners know, you know, once you start making a film and once you start getting funding for a film, there's a lot of moving parts and stress and yeah. <laughs> um you know it you know some things have to become realized and sometimes you know things becoming realized is a kind of heartbreak in a way <laughs> you know uh you know making the things become reality um takes away from the dream which you know we have to get there but so yeah these you know these three films and i'm hoping that they will be accepted um into uh the world in some form or fashion you know if i if it gets to play in festivals again that'll be a blessing if if i get an audience again for these films it'll be a huge blessing i'm you know i think i, I need and you know i think what was it duchamp is it you know the 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 viewer you know 
finishes the work. I, you know, I wanted to get to that level, but uh, that is, uh, that, you know, that's my goal. But I think the thing before that, I really just want to think about how I can spend the time I have in making these films um, wisely in terms of thinking about the the medium and thinking about you know all the elements of um, you know writing to you know technical things and and how can we create um, the truth in each part of those elements? How, how can I how can I walk towards that first? And then you know if the audience is will accept me, um, what kind of dialogue can happen after that? And speaking of the fact that it's a short film, I think uh, the final scene really helped to build the depth of the character, uh, which I think was very interesting because it's not that easy to build, uh, to really get a sense of, of depth of a character in a short film uh, format. Um, and to me, at least, it was a scene where I really thought that this character uh, had something else going on. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, I, I think we thought a lot about that with, with uh, in it, yeah, I think structure again you know thinking because there's such there's such a little time in a short you know i guess by structure so it's like how do we create that depth that you're talking about how do we get get a feeling and and i think focusing on that before larger more specific types of narrative things was my way way in so i think i should say this too like you know this this trilogy is a prism they're all going to feature some character named booker they will you know, likely all feature so far. They all feature Barrington Darius as this character, so the same face, um, and body and voice. However, I don't know if they're the same character, and I want to keep that open. And and when we think about the depth that you're talking about, like how do we how 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 do each one of these films? Um, and I think the reason why they they this could probably why this interests me this this character name and casting is because thinking about how circumstances will change the identity, how migration or not migration will change your, or can influence your identity. Um, and to create, hopefully, you know, what you're saying about um, being able to go deeper um, in a character in a short amount of time, you know, so. As far as this Barrington goes, I think it was really well well cast. So I'll work <laughs> with him so. again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the way you describe it, it's sort of, Sort of like creating a, a like a tapestry of a of a, mm. a human being that is like, I don't know. It's like all these um, experiences are shaping him, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the same person. But mm. you can, I mean, again, the way you describe it, it, it feels like you can project that into him, and sort of with three individual shorts, you sort of build a cohesive thing. I don't know if that's the intention or not. Yeah, it's my, my intention, you know. Uh, I don't know why I started thinking about trilogies. I think it was, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was I don't know, like his, what was it, Kokira trilogy? And there's, a, oh, yeah. so, there's so many great trilogies in, in novels. And also, and, yeah. I was thinking about Three Colors, you know, it's similar in the way that the emotions connect the films, but the characters differ. You, you may find the earlier protagonists in mysterious films, but they always change. So I think it's another example, yeah. yeah. And that was the latest from Dwayne LeBlanc, folks. We would like to thank his presence here today. He is truly an excellent filmmaker. Have a look into his work once out on streaming platforms. If you're a filmmaker running the festival marathon, feel free to send us a message for an interview as well. We would love to promote your work. Don't forget to subscribe, share this interview, or simply give us a like. That's how our podcast can grow ever more groovy.
And if you're on YouTube and want to see more interviews like this, check out this next video right here. Thank you for listening and see you next time.